So apparently there's been studies that have showed that you reach your kind of peak level of creativity, uh, your peak level of work ethic. Just you reach your kind of peak when you reach the age of uh, around 31 to 34. So I'm 36 now. And uh, even I struggle to try and motivate myself to do things, you know. This might become a bit of a heavier episode. This is going to be quite a Benji-centric episode. But uh, hopefully some of you might have a listen, take some solace in the fact that um, a lack of motivation, it's not the end of the world. And there's plenty of ways that you can end up motivating yourself to do so many wonderful things. Um... It's also going to discuss a little bit about how if you compromise your own creativity, it can lead to maybe sometimes just feeling a bit overwhelmed. And I only speak about that from my own personal experiences, but we're going to be talking about Muzai Records a little bit, and we're going to be talking about my experiences in New Zealand, freelancing, becoming a publicist, and coming back over here. So, it's going to be a darn sight more pleasant than the last episode where we talked about Cannibal Holocaust, um, but it is also going to be an episode that talks a little bit about my feelings, uh, and it's as much for me as it is for everybody else. Uh, maybe when I'm feeling a little bit sad, a little bit, you know, what am I doing with my life, um, I can come back to this podcast and reflect. So, um, here comes the theme music, and I'll be back shortly. Hello once again, it's me Benji. Uh, thank you so much for everybody who tuned in to the last podcast that we did. Uh, it was a bit of a weird one for me because, uh, as I mentioned previously, I'm not used to doing something just by myself, just direct to um, to listeners, which you'd think I would have had a, a lot of experience doing because I used to present radio back in New Zealand for um, Fleet FM, which is definitely worth visiting. Uh, at to remember, it's uh, fleet.fm. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry, Jamie. I'm so sorry, Jamie. I'm so sorry. But it's an easy Google search, much like most things uh, in life are these days. They're just uh, a Google search away. Uh, and I also did some bits and bobs for 95BFM, which is 95BFM.com. Um, but I wasn't, uh, you know, my my strength there was that I was talking to other musicians or I was talking to councillors, you know, members of uh, Auckland City Council. I still talk to a councillor, but that's a personal story. <laughs> Um, but I just found it very weird, and I don't know why I found it weird, because it it came across okay, people still listen to it, and, uh, the hate mail hasn't come through yet, um, and I avoid Twitter at all costs, because it's a little bit of a cesspool, but that's a completely different podcast altogether, one I'd like to do with a couple of other people, um, who have actively avoided Twitter, and maybe one or two people who have actually um, clocked or completed, or they they know their ways around uh, every facet of Twitter. But 
yeah, it 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 came off all right, and it, it and you know I ended up myself saying that I'd do another one this week, and here we are a week later, and I'm sat here in my front room. It's a miserable day in Leeds. It's a Thursday. Um, it, winter, if it's not arrived already, is definitely upon us because it's just rainy, rainy, rainy. Um, it's not too good for the soul. I'll be honest with you. Ever since daylight savings happened, I I don't know about uh, anyone uh, listening in, any of you people, but uh, it's just pretty grim when you you wake up and it's kind of overcast and grey. And then you end up at like four o'clock in the afternoon, like, oh, great, it's pitch black, you know. I know a lot of people sometimes they dismiss the idea of a seasonal affective disorder or SADS. Um, but I, I knew one or two people, one or two males actually, who have actively, you know, discussed about their feelings and stuff like that because, you know, it's it's okay to talk about your feelings. Um, fuck toxic masculinity, masculinity. Um, I, I can't even pronounce the word because I think it's a ridiculous concept, you know. So I'm sat here in the front room and trying to be productive. You know, I've had my first cup of coffee of the day. Um, it's coming up to two o'clock as well, so that's quite late for me to have a cup of coffee. Uh, and the reason why I'm saying all of this is I'm doing this on my telephone because when we did the last podcast, uh, the second half of the podcast I did upstairs on a USB microphone and it sounded more echoey than me holding a mobile phone up uh, to my lips and talking like this, although I don't have no pop or hiss guard, the pops and the are going to probably come through um, as vibrant as sun rays on a cloudy day. Poetic, right? This is meant to be a motivational episode, so of course... I'm going to throw in some new age kind of thinking towards you. Wildest tangent ever. Very wildest tangent. But yeah, no, thank you so much for everyone that listened in. Uh, Cannibal Holocaust is still available. Um, streaming everywhere. I prefer Amazon Prime. Um, you know, if, if you've got your own kind of methods, definitely check it out. I mean, you know, the British Film Institute plug Cannibal Holocaust, you know. So even, the, even BFI understand that it has its merits okay um it's been 10 years 10 long years since i started uh, a, a little project with uh, a good friend of mine martin phillips so i really hope to see because he's coming over this christmas so um that's a christmas present i'm definitely looking forward to catching up with uh you know he was my best man at the wedding uh he was in one of the one or two bands that helped me form the label or gave me uh, raison d'etre to, uh, you know, start up a label. He was in God Bows to Math, the other uh, being Sherpa. Um, yeah, and it's, I'm just really looking forward to that, you know. Will I be able to have the chance to sit down and talk with him about the 10 years, the ups and downs? I'm not too sure. But there was a, meant to be a huge amount of stuff that we were going to do this year. Uh, I started off the year in January thinking, right, I'm definitely going to do something here, you know. I've been locked down in an office job for three and a half years and uh, my mental health uh, effectively led me to quitting and taking a sabbatical. There were so many 
weird reasons why um uh, just suddenly you know not my brain stopped working because it doesn't actually work that way in fact i think that my brain started working when i realized that perhaps this isn't for me for me it was mundane um other people they might like the office environment and i did a few years of it you know the old carrot and stick routine and i i I enjoyed a lot of the people that I met. I just didn't enjoy just certain aspects of the role. But that's that's life, isn't it? You know, sometimes um, you try something and you realize you don't like it. I spent three years working in a call center and it turned out that at the end of it, it's, it's not for me. So I ended up um, last September, no, last October, uh, stopping everything and, you know, being the privileged child that I am, uh, I ended up living a little bit on uh, my savings. Uh, more importantly, I had a wonderful wife, May, from the band Fomakismo. <sighs> if you're in New Zealand, you all know, yeah, you know, Maeve and the multitude of musical projects that she's been in previously. But uh, she's had a full-time job and just looked after me, and it's great. So I've been afforded that opportunity to do my own thing, finally, to figure out what my Ikigai was, you know, and that's the whole reason why we set up Ikigai Pro, me and Jamie, because we were both at a bit of a loose end, and he wanted to try his hand at writing, and we did podcasting and everything, and here we are now. It's taken a little bit of a sabbatical, i.e., you know, Jamie's gone back to New Zealand, and, and he's doing his own thing, and I have lost, or I did lose all motivation to do stuff regarding Ikigai Pro. But come January, I decided that I wanted to do something big because 10 years running a business is is quite the watershed moment, especially in a business such as music where, all right, we always joke that there's no money to be made in music. There is money to be made in music, but it's, it's not that easy. Um... There's probably going to be a lot of people out there going, yes, it is easy. Um, But for the kind of music that we put out, nah, nah. You tell me that people want to listen to uh, a bunch of, uh, you know, say two 40-year-olds that are making this really progressive left-field noise rock uh, industrial metal fuzzy sun blog uh, advertised Flogging the Dead One Horse Town as, you know, but... Unfortunately, the aesthetic, you know, the aesthetic, it doesn't really work for us, you know. Um, and I don't really care about aesthetic. I like what I like, and that's been the whole principle of the record label for a while, and then it, you know, kind of petered out a bit. We will definitely get to that point a little later on. So I had all of these great intentions, and I wanted to pull together a kind of supplement to go along with a sampler, and there was, you know, a, a huge array, array of music um, on the sampler that we included that it's already freely accessible online it's not like we've uploaded secret demos that no one's ever heard of um, it's always been ever present uh, on our Bandcamp pages you know it's always been ever present on SoundCloud a lot of the older titles are pay uh, pay what you want which you know equates to well, you may as well just give us an email address, which, which oh, never mind. Which um, a lot of people just you know do end up paying for for music, 
So there is some money to be made in it. But uh, I wanted to do all of these things. And on top of that, I also had guy that I wanted to regularly maintain and do a lot more things with as well with Jamie. Uh, with Jacob, who's done some fantastic music reviews as well. And we uh, had every now and again people that always wanted to to write something and perhaps didn't have an avenue to do that. And I wanted to provide them with that avenue. And it's 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 been a, a kind of like a core principle of mine that I wanted to allow people uh, a platform or an avenue to try their hand at something. Um, that was the whole point of Muzai Records, you know. Um, God bows to math were kind of struggling getting some airplay. I mean, in terms of them playing live, no, they had gigs. I mean, it's been pretty well documented about one of the gigs where me and Martin decided that we wanted to start Muzai Records. But um, it was just that kind of, you know, the gatekeepers, uh, otherwise known as music directors, who, you know, in my mind, it was anyone in a band could turn around and say that, I'm the best band in the world, or I'm a fantastic musician, you should let us, you know, be on the radio. And that is probably the case these days where there is a dance site more autonomy now in terms of getting your music noticed by virtue of, you know, you can go on a Fiverr and have someone do graphic design for all of your work. You can have um, someone from Fiverr draft you up a press release. You can send a press release out through um, a multitude of websites that offer links uh, in New Zealand 100% um, uh, Anthony Metcalf if you're still running it cool if I've got that wrong you know hello at net is where you can fire through your retort <laughs> and it was you know you can do all of these things now where it almost becomes the case of what's the point in, in having a record label which is there we go scratch that one on the wall there you know that's on the tally of demotivational um ideas or you know something that is demotivational what's the point in me doing something when people can do it themselves you know but back in back in 2009 it was still a bit of a foreign concept you know we're still looking at the archaic principles of delivering music or you know plugging music um, especially in New Zealand. I mean, over here in the UK, pluggers, they definitely have a sense of purpose. You know, they've created fantastic networks. They're not for me, though, because, you know, why do I want to pay someone to plug my music when I kind of like the idea of, you know, tooth and nail getting into contact with someone and building something up uh, from the ground level upwards? Again, that's score one for motivation creating something cultivating something from scratch rather than they're very popular let's sign them and then just you know for me there's there's no fun in that there's monetary value of course but for me there is no fun so with god bless to math the reason for me starting a label was for me to go hey look i'm a guy that's putting money into this band uh, or into their releases, should I say, and maybe you should take a listen to it, which in my mind had a bit more kind of collateral about it, because now it's someone's actively investing time and money into an artist, so maybe we should give them a listen. And so, 
Oh, you know, uh, ten years later, like I mentioned, there is that sense of autonomy and things happen, you know. And so it's trying to, for me, what's my motivation for continuing doing a label? Um, which I I ask myself. I, I have an answer for that. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm not gonna completely you know, um, ruin everyone's day by just being a pessimist. I've done that for quite an amount of time now since I moved back to the UK. So, you know, it's all not all doom and gloom, I promise you that. So, you know, I had the idea of doing a sampler. I wanted to do things such as um, record podcasts for the Moose I stream, uh, which would uh, incorporate maybe talking to um, Tyler Tanton, FKA Tyler Burke, um, who was quite instrumental in a number of kind of like the upper echelon recordings. So he did Kitsunagari, he did Bandicoot. Um, he's been involved with the record label for quite a while. Um, he would have been perhaps our Butch Vig, where um, Daniel Spate, who lived with me on Simon Street and would record bands um, in our lounge, he would be our Jack Andino. He would be, all right, well, you know, we need something recorded. Um, we can do something a bit more ad hoc, a bit more loose. And uh, Dan can do that. Meanwhile, if we needed something a bit more up there, we can go to the likes of Tyler Burke. Uh, again, FKA Tyler Burke. Or we could even go to someone like Damien Golfinopoulos, who had a fantastic studio um, just off Upper Queen Street. Um, he, we could also go to, uh, Rowan Evans of, uh, the wine cellar who did a fantastic job with, uh, girls pissing on girls pissing. He did the second Cat Venom EP as well, which was great. Um, Roy Irwin did the artwork for that and, uh, they did a fantastic job recreating, um, a cigarette cover. It was one of the coolest kind of um j-card artworks that we were messing about with at the time so to roy uh, again thank you so much they're a they're a, a fantastic um help uh back back in the day and, and and they're just just a generally good kind of creature definitely you know so i got a lot of time for roy and i think a lot of people should do as well you know those people that aren't one of the six million that have listened to demon cave on spotify um I wanted the podcast with Tom Burton from Wilberforces and now Soccer Practice because for me, when I ended up working with Wilberforces, it was kind of wish fulfillment. I was a long, long, long time fan uh, of Tom Burton's work and uh, just given the opportunity um, to work with him, it fostered a, a fantastic friendship as well, which reminds me I should be sending him a Christmas card. I wanted to talk to Casey because I missed having coffees in Auckland with Casey and the girls pissing on girls pissing team. Um, and I definitely wanted to have a chat with, with Martin about stuff. But things started catching up with me. Things that would demotivate me. Social media, for example, what you know, I think social media made me crack last year. Um... I don't want to go into specifics because I'm trying to get through that now, but um, someone on Twitter had a bit of a problem with me and uh, they decided to um, 
publicly well, publicly within the echo chamber of who they've blocked and who they've not blocked decided to say that I support something abhorrent which I never ever 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 would support and I would never actively platform anyone who has that kind of mentality and the fact that I've actually have to say that on a podcast um, is ridiculous because if you if you followed me, you know I've 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 done some dumb shit. I've released some bands that are definitely you know in terms of names problematic, but um, you know, a lot of the people that have met me know that uh, you know I, I'm I'm not capable of that kind of thing, and it was just quite I felt a, a knee jerk kind of mean-spirited response to elicit whatever kind of likes or you know social media media capital i don't want to call it virtue flagging or virtue signaling because i think that that's a terminology like i've mentioned in one of the icky procasts before um that people on the right use as a means of displaying that I'm being deplatformed because someone's just virtue signaling me. I mean, it does happen. At much just the same way as people do platform other people, you know. This is the intrinsic grey pockets of life that sometimes, you know, especially in this day and age, we forget that not everything is black and white, you know. Uh, and, and that really knocked me because then when suddenly you see people and this is absolutely ridiculous as well reese if you're listening man you'll probably think i'm an absolute dickhead for feeling this way and you'd be quite right man but like when you when you've got depression you know uh it's a post-traumatic stress disorder that uh, it turns out that i suffer from if i'm just laying all of my cards on the table when you're dealing with that something as trivial as that you know, I know a lot of people would look at that and just go, I'm just walking away from that, that's fucking ridiculous, you know, but when you're seeing a wealth of people that you have helped and you've kind of encouraged and just, you know, not actively done anything against and they start liking this and then questions are asked and then I'm being, oh, I heard that you support such and such, and I'm having to field those questions when I'm already having a pretty lousy time um, in my job, and I just don't know if I want to carry on doing things. Um, Yeah, I just ended up burying my head in the sand, and I I just didn't want to do anything in terms of Muzai, and it it was just a, a godsend that... A very, very, very good friend of mine who I, who you know, I have nothing but a, a huge amount of love for, um, Casey, uh, from the Horror in Clay, formerly Girls Pissing on Girls Pissing, and you know, Sharpie Crows, but Nostalgia Kills. Um, gave me some music to work with, and then I had a a, a few people reaching out and asking if I was okay, and you know, I, I tried to avoid Twitter, uh. Kind of similar thing happened on Facebook a little bit. There's a uh, a blogger in New Zealand. Uh, I was asking, a, a, you know, it was a hot take, and which is a lousy phrase about a musician who made some uh, absolutely disgusting kind of comments 
uh, on stage once they were going to be coming over to New Zealand and a lot of people were not happy about that because it was just after the um, the tragedy that was uh, the Christchurch shooting. And it was, again, that kind of, you know, that underlying kind of like, well, you should know better, you know, kind of like, and in my head, it's kind of like, am I being accused yet again of, of, of something? What's this all about? So, you know, it, it, it was demotivating for me. And I just, com- you know, not completely lost it, but I certainly, no, let's not, let's not lie. I, I hid indoors for like three months didn't leave the house whatsoever, uh, survived on a diet of having Uber Eats deliver stuff to me uh, and applying for jobs and uh, just not wanting to talk to anyone, you know. Uh, the only outlet that I'd have would be uh, talking to, to Jamie at some point about podcasting and, and Maeve, that's about it. But um, with... This vim and vigor, I decided that I'd go ahead and I would do uh, all these cool uh, Muzai Year 10 things. And so I did it, and then, uh, you know, we started off by doing a reissue of Cat Venom's double uh, A side, which was Bats in the Belfry and Old Meat. Um, that seemed to have done all right. People were picking up on that. Now, this is a time as well where I had one foot in a canoe in New Zealand, wanted to make sure that we still had that coverage that we were blessed with um, from a whole bunch of people in New Zealand. But then my other foot, way, way, way over here in the Northern Hemisphere was, well, I'm in the UK now, so I should really be concentrating on the UK and uh, I should really be just, you know, focusing here. Why am I doing two things? Which, uh, again, would lead to a bit of the confusion and, you know, the aspects of being demotivated because I felt like I was doing a half-assed job in one area and a half-assed job in the other area and I was just getting nowhere. Now, no one is entitled to um, coverage. Amanda Palmer certainly wasn't, and that was last week's hoo-ha that all happened on Twitter, you know. So I'm not saying that I wanted, you know, I was entitled to this coverage, you know. But at the same time, there was that sense of entitlement of, well, why aren't people picking up on this in New Zealand, you know, and, and what's happening here. Um, but the the Cat Venom one, and then I spoke to uh, Ruben, uh, Ruben being, uh, he's in Roids, he, uh, I think he plays guitar for Cindy now, sorry Ruben if I got all this wrong, I just remember Ruben like, uh, talking about Sepultura smashing pumpkins and just, you know, chatting shit, playing Tony Hawks and talking about Resident Evil, um, he was also, um, crazy mad great musician, you know, and we talked about doing a reissue of, um, the Kitsunagari, uh, EP, that Tyler recorded, and he was fine with all of that, so that went all right, and then, you know, we went onto the sample, and I, I wanted to do stuff like, I wanted to reissue Fat Angry Man, for example, Um, but the moment that I put the sampler up, and the moment that I put up the book, um, to quote the stereophonics, it only takes one tree to make a thousand matches, it only takes one match to burn a thousand trees, Something like that happened. Two people, two individuals um, weren't happy um, 
One of which because I've not spoken to them in X amount of time. And the other person because they felt that I had exploited um, their teenage experiences. And I went and apologized and explained a few things, you know, about what was going on. But again, it just completely destroyed my motivation. Uh, it made me think, well, why am I doing this, you know? And, and for, you know, all the people that were really, really into what I did, you know, and, and you know, I don't want to blow my own trumpet. I don't often do, but toot toot. Um, people were really into it. It was a really nice anthology of what was going on. I'm sure that if this podcast makes its way to a wide number of people, I'll probably get a, a bunch more flack for whatever reason than, you know, I'm talking about it. But we're talking about motivation, what demotivates, you know, about peaks and creativity, about stuff like that, what keeps me going on. And here we are now. And I'm concentrating more on the UK side of things. And more importantly, I'm doing things that I want to do. But I, Benji, you should, be, should have been doing those things you wanted to do yourself anyway, you know. What's the point in doing something if you don't enjoy it? So easy to get caught up in that kind of aspect at times. When, uh, when you're being told what you're doing is fantastic and you're a credit to an industry... Um, Fuck, you kind of become this cult of personality. It's, you love it. You know, I, I absolutely fucking basked in the approval of other people, which is a, which is a very, very, very bad thing to do. Okay, take praise, take compliments, that's great. But don't ever feel that you're only worth something because of how much someone else measures that to you. It's so easy, Reese. I know it's so easy, but you know, you should never merit your own worth simply based on how other people judge your merits. So, because I was moving to New Zealand, I had the same person within the industry said that I was a waste of time and money, which is nice. Um, a lot of pain coming out on this podcast. I apologize. Well, we're 28, nearly 29 minutes in. Let's let's make it a bit more upbeat. So why did I end up going back and doing things that I wanted to do? Apart from being a slight control freak, admittedly. It's fun. I had the most fun doing Muzai Records when it was just me and a bunch of other like-minded people no romanticism about, yeah, you run a record label, which is what I found over here. It was just, we liked what we were doing, and we were, instead of, like, building this kind of, like, uh, instead of building, like, something that was commerce, you know, I don't know how better to phrase that, I think I need another coffee after this, but instead of building something that was solely based on commerce, instead what we were doing was we wanted to build a community. We wanted to be like, hey, look, we like this kind of stuff. Maybe you would like it as well. So that's why you ended up with things like we worked with Sworn to the King. We worked with Sherpa. We worked with God Bows to Math. Uh, you know, we uh, we started getting a bit of a bit of airplay here and there. Um, I ended up stopping... Uh, my freelance journalism for a while. I even stopped working um, at BFM because uh, <laughs> I thought it would be a conflict of interest if I were to 
be running a record label, but also working in the media. And at that point, I had no idea who the fuck Tony Wilson was. And in retrospect, it's like, oh, maybe I could have done that a little bit better, but never mind. It was when we started getting courted by a couple of places, then the kind of shift changed to not working with bands that I enjoyed. That's that's not fair. It was it was more a case of what is going to be marketable than what I enjoyed. And I came dangerously close a few times to working with a couple of bands that were like that. I'm not going to give any time frames or anything like that because, you know, I don't want any band to think that I just signed them because I thought it was going to be easy and it was going to be marketable. Uh, You know, all I will say is that I did come dangerously close a couple of times um, succumbing to that aspect Possibly because I was now being integrated more within um, the the music industry over there. Possibly because I was working with one or two people and that was the kind of vibe that they were telling me I should go for. You know, I should do this. At one point I got offered uh, the possibility of an investment into Muzai to be a farmer fed. Much like Hell Is Now Love uh, was at one point for the record label. But... um, Nothing panned out with that. Things happen, which is cool. Um, so, yeah, I think it, I just got at one point bogged down into the idea of, oh, you know, well, I should be doing this rather than walking my own path, you know. So that's where I gathered motivation from is that I'll, I never want to work with a band unless I'm absolutely in, enjoy them and I love their work, you know. That's a given, but you'd be surprised sometimes how many record labels look at a band and go, well, that's going to be marketable and that's going to end up on the radio and stuff like that. I, I don't care, man, you know. Like, radio these days isn't an, a necessity, you know. In a bygone era where you didn't have the means such as SoundCloud or Bandcamp or stuff like that, in order to um, have people listen to your music, then I get that radio is great. Radio is fantastic, though, at the same time, because it it's adds a, a level of validity to everything. You know, I got played on BBC Introducing or stuff like that. Therefore, you know, someone within that you know media industry likes it, and a whole bunch more people are going to listen to it. But doesn't automatically generate an audience you know you still got to find that audience it can help but you know so it's never for me being like i want to find a band and get all that radio play the other thing and i'll be brutally honest is that i cared more about the brand than the bands at times you know which is lethal now a little thing for the wrestling fans uh who are listening to this hello my fellow uh you know marks and smarks I'll have to talk to Jamie Taylor at one point to see if we'll do another wrestling podcast. It's been a while, you know, and obviously there's um, some other priorities that are happening. But remember, or, you know, remember when the WWE built superstars and now instead they're building a brand? Yeah, that's kind of like what happened to Muzai as well. So instead of focusing on the bands, it was all about... Me, I had to focus on Muzai. People, if people like Muzai, then they'll automatically like the bands. That's a crock of shit. And I fell into 
the entire kind of thing that I didn't want to happen, which was I myself felt that I should have been a cult of personality, which is hugely arrogant, you know. But you slip into it, you know. Again, the amount of people telling you how great you are and stuff like that, and that, you know, you're a tastemaker, you got your finger on the pulse, you know, you feel good, you know, it's that's that's your validity. That to yourself is almost like the validity some bands have when they get played on the radio. And, you know, when suddenly people weren't so much talking about Muzai, I thought, well, what was the point, you know? And again, the point was that I was releasing bands that, you know, weren't getting their fair shake of the stick and trying to give them the fair shake of the stick, you know? And it's working with bands to let them know that there are some attainable goals that we can do, but by all means, I'm not going to promise you the end of the earth. I, I always a realistic with my expectations and if a band's not happy with that then a band's more than happy to to walk away from it but you know I'd rather overachieve with what we're given and then build up some new goals than say I'm going to do all of this and then suddenly oh yeah no one on submit hub wanted to listen to it or you know I, I pitched it out but nothing there are so many artists and management services out there now it's crazy it is crazy um and that I was talking about how there is so much autonomy now with bands to release their music and, and all of these things. Uh, it begs belief, you know. Like I'm wondering why, you know, if record labels still have a purpose in 2019, you know. And we do. I, for me, I, the record label is a means of building a community of like-minded listeners and all, you know, and, and an audience and stuff like that. And also helping bands that perhaps don't have the financial means to do things. Well, more importantly, just helping bands, you know, with with the wealth of experience that I've had. Um, helping them, sharing that experience and, you know, just giving them help. More importantly, it's a confidence boost, you know. It's, it's kind of like, look, man, let's all just... Uh, or, look, man, sorry. Look, let's just all pitch in together and we can probably do something fantastic, which we did do with Muzai and which we're hopefully doing again now that we're concentrating more on the UK. So, the demotivational side of things, you know, I mean, it's curious I've not spoken about money, but, you know, I'm fortunate that we were solvent. You know, I haven't had to get a credit card loan or anything like that. And, you know, money comes, money goes. You know, money isn't the be-all and end-all um, of creativity. I believe it was Lydia Lunch who, uh, to paraphrase her for a moment, said that if you're creating music just to make money, you're not creating art, you're creating commerce. Um and for some people that's fine, but for for me it's like I just want to like enjoy music and 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 experience these cool bands and stuff like that. And it just so happens that you know we release the ones that I enjoy the absolute most. Uh, so it's crazy that throughout all the autonomy uh, that comes along with like modern musicians that. Christ, the amount of artists and management services and PR companies and everything like that. I'm not dicking on PR companies at all, you know. I'm just saying that you going onto the unsigned guide, copying and pasting a whole bunch of contacts and then cancelling your subscription 
or you using submit hub just to you know charge someone a hundred pounds and then use 50 of that in order to buy credits and pitch everywhere um that's not really pr as such not in the conventional sense where someone's built up a year's worth of networking i used to work as a publicist in new zealand of course so um but i worked in the theater and stuff like that regarding it so pr you know publicists they definitely have their their means pluggers as much as i disparage them they definitely have their means and ways to help out um but just finding you know ekagai is such an apt kind of phrase to use while talking about this you know finding what enjoy you know find something you enjoy finding your reason your purpose you know and for me my reason and purpose was to release this cool music on behalf of people and so the motivational side of things was that instead of focusing on what was going to be marketable and profitable it went back to what i enjoyed the most now the recent moose i released we did which was a cassette tape of flogging the dead one horse town i absolutely enjoyed doing that and i think the reason why i enjoyed doing that was because it tapped into all of those creative elements that you know i've i've fostered and honed over you know the many many years i've been walking the green earth i got to do graphic design i got to pitch you know i got to put i got to put tapes together handmade hand dubbed everything like that you know i enjoyed the process incredibly and it was a process i hadn't done for a while and it you know the tim and dave you know thankfully they they you know enjoyed everything that i did that's a little bit of approval for me but more importantly i enjoyed what i did and with fomachismo i'm enjoying working with well i always enjoy working with mave of course but it was the fact that we were doing things on our terms you know and uh with lawman who we've who i've used now twice for the theme music for this icky procast it was they're fantastic and i got i got put onto them just by putting up a post on a on a reddit page or i think it might have been a facebook page and uh um liam got back into contact with me and i'm absolutely really really throffing to work with them next year to do more things um you should always do what you want to do responsibly of course you know don't don't go out and shoplift or kick dogs or anything like that you know but you should stay true to yourself if you if what's true to you is basically making a whole bunch of money releasing kind of you know palatable music then that that's fine you know that's not for me but if it's for you you stay true to yourself you stay that course you know you don't deviate that ship left or right you know unless you absolutely have to you stay that course um, it's something that I need to remind myself doing as well. You you stay that course, Benji. You know, if you're you're in a real good place now, and you're really happy with what you're doing with the record label. You've addressed its problems. You know, you've addressed your problems. You know, you've uh, addressed the issues that you found from you know a mental standpoint. You've addressed the issues you found from a logistical standpoint because. We're not really doing much with New Zealand anymore, I'm afraid. 
it's just you know there's some great music out there in New Zealand it's just I can't see what's going on at the ground level there anymore um, and I'll still work with a couple of artists over there but predominantly the focus has to be over here now and it's it's taken me a good number of years to reconcile that fact you know and now I have it it feels good it feels great it motivates me you know it gets me out to meet people and next year I'm going to be putting on the first show since I've moved back um to the UK which is wild considering how many shows I was involved with um back in New Zealand and the tours and everything like that that I was involved with I think the other bit of um, motivation uh, that I got, uh, the other thing that, that gets me through, and I, I, it's something that I think a lot of people also um, have trouble with, is where to start and what's the point in starting. Where to start is, is, is a difficult one because you don't know what you want to do uh, and you don't know where you want to go. Like, I had no idea what I wanted to do uh, this podcast on, and instead here I am now 43 minutes in, maybe a little bit longer because of the intro, um, still talking about my experiences with running a record label and you know all of the kind of things that led to me getting demotivated and, and, and downhearted and somber. But that is the most difficult thing, but it's it's been said many a time, it's almost kind of like cliche to say, but... The first step is always the hardest step. If you want to write something, write something, you know. Write because you want to write something. Don't write because you want something out of it. Write because you feel very passionate about something that you want to write about. Whether it be music, whether it be film, wrestling, video games, you know. Um, If you ever want to hit me up, if you ever want to hit Jamie up, you know. If you ever want to submit something at Ikigai just to say that hey man I wrote something or you know hey you I I wrote something and and it got published you know and and people can see it you know or or if Ikigai's not your thing medium or tumblr or there's just a wide range just you gotta do it you gotta give it a go it's you know you don't know unless you try which leads to the next point of like well why bother and that, for me, is one of the biggest kind of obstacles when it comes to doing things, you know. Why bother? Why bother doing a podcast, you know? Only, like, X amount of people listen to the last podcast. Is anyone going to listen to this podcast? Are people going to complain about things that are being discussed on this podcast, you know? Are, um, are you know, is there any point in writing for a website, you know? Why am I, why haven't I edited the um nostalgia kills video for um aliens the uh you know side scrolling shoot 'em up you know why haven't i done more muzai stuff you know and the problem for me is well what's the point it's it's part of me you know i haven't sworn too much i don't think in this episode but that's fucking bullshit man you know Let's think about it for a minute, okay? You've got two options uh, in terms of putting yourself out there creatively. You can do it, and then you can have a sense of achievement that, ah, cool, you know what? I did this, I put it out there, that's mine, I can be proud of it. And if people read it, great. If people don't read it, 
don't be disparaged, you know. Rome wasn't built in a day. Um, what culture wasn't built in a day? Uh, man, I probably lost some wrestling fans there. But the point is that no one's going to be able to see what you've done if you haven't done it. No one's going to listen to your music if you don't put it out there. No one's going to read your articles unless you put it out there. And I understand that's easier said than done, that there is an absolute degree of kind of like concern. What if people don't like it? But you don't know. Schrodinger's creativity. You know? Do I put something out there? Do I put myself out there? And it's hard, man. Definitely putting yourself out there. I, you know, I, I totally agree with you know the the kind of concern and the nervousness but you know what when you first got on a roller coaster you were nervous and you enjoyed it it was a thrill it was turning that nervous energy into an exciting energy turn that nervous energy that you're about to release something to the you know to the public and make it an exciting energy and again i can't stress that enough you know if you don't put something out there, no one's going to have a chance to, to read it or no one's going to have a chance to listen to it. So if you're concerned that no one's going to hear this, then why aren't you releasing something? It, it is kind of true because no one's going to listen to something that doesn't that isn't there. No one's going to read something. No one's going to engage with something if it doesn't exist, you know. And I know it's nerve-wracking because it is sometimes feels like it's putting yourself out there. But, you know, the biggest thing is that not everybody is going to like everything. That's what's great about life. That's what's great about free will is that we get to pick and choose what we do enjoy and what we don't enjoy. You know, I don't enjoy a lot of things that get put out, um, you know, by some labels. I don't have to listen to it. That's my choice, you know. Do I want to go out there and bash it? No, there's no reason for it. I, I myself am tired of being a pessimist. I think I do. I, I personally do my best work when I'm feeling upbeat about things and positive, you know. And there are going to be people out there that like to live within that kind of miserable space. And that's fine. Let them do what they need to do, you know. That's that's what they want to do. That's the space that they're in at the moment. That's fine. But don't let that bring you down. Um, it brought me down, um, just, you know, the maelstrom of everything that, that was going on, and uh, now I find myself in a happier place, and having done this podcast as well, I'm finding myself in a in a happier space, I'm finding myself, well, I've done something creative, I've achieved something, you know, I'm probably going to go upstairs and, and, you know, do some graphic design work and stuff like that. And I know that maybe only a handful of people are going to listen to it, but for the handful of people that have listened to it, look, thank you so much. I really appreciate your support once again. This is me putting myself out there, putting myself into a somewhat of an uncomfortable zone. But, you know, why be maudlin about something I haven't put out when, you know, I could take that chance and put it out there? Yeah, deep, I know, somewhat deep, maybe psycho deep, I'm not, I, I, I'm not aware, but look, that's pretty much me running my course uh, in terms of today's podcast, in terms of this week's podcast, 
you know, if you want to help me out, if you've got any ideas what you would like um, to see or what you would like to hear, sorry, in terms of a podcast, um, please do feel free to email me. Um, at the minute, we're still using hello at ikigaipro.net. Um, that will no doubt change at some point as well, just for financial reasons. Um, I tend to talk a lot about video games, wrestling, music, all sorts. Um, I would, you know, if you've got some music out there, if you've got something you'd like me to have a read through, you know, if if you just want to have a chat, then by all means, you know, I'd be more than happy if, uh, you know, I don't have a huge amount of time, but I will always try and make a, a concerted effort, especially if you're starting to come to grips within you know, the music or, or journalism or stuff like that. Um, just a couple of notes to finish off with. Um, if you're interested in Muzai Records, you can visit us, MuzaiRecords.com. We have a Facebook group. We have a Facebook page. We have an Instagram. We have a Twitter. It's just me normally chatting shit with uh, the artist formerly known as St. Charles uh, on Twitter a lot of the time. Uh, you can Google us and you can find... Uh, the whole array or you can just go on to muzairecords.com which has links to everything there flog of the dead one horse town if you're interested in them and you're in auckland they'll be playing uh the wine cellar on the 7th of december uh, along with swallow the rat and dead little penny uh fomakismo will be playing their last show of the year asterisk that asterisk meaning, I'm not sure if it is legitimately their last show of the year or not, but uh, they'll be playing the Pack Horse in Leeds, uh, the one on Woodhouse Lane, just to avoid confusion, um, on December 20th, so quite close to Christmas as well. And, you know, in terms of uh, me running a show, I am looking tentatively at doing something at Santiago's because I really like their vibe. Um, but I'll have more details about that. I'll try not to cross the streams, Ghostbusters reference, in terms of the record label and uh, Ikigai Pro again, but I just wanted to do something. Just, uh, you know, I had a couple of people asking, is that everything <laughs> in terms of uh, the 10 years? And I just wanted to give a little bit of context why we had such bright ideas, but then things change, and I think I've left it a little late now as well. Um, but you know onwards and upwards to a real prosperous uh 2020 wow 2020 that's crazy and uh look again thank you so much for listening in really appreciate that uh, i'll be back next week uh to talk about something else once i've got my mind to it but uh look if you're struggling hang on in there um you know it's always the most creative types that seem to have the problems uh in creating something you know when there's so much going on where do you start just stay in your own lane run your own race and don't worry about what other people are doing just enjoy what you're doing and uh i'll speak to you all again next week kakite <laughs>